Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Ruby Freelancer Show. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and this week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hi. Uh, since this is our first podcast, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Eric? Sure. So i um, been doing Ruby on Rails development for a while now. don't remember when I started. And then started freelancing, what is it, three or four years back. Basically been doing it full-time ever since I started. Uh, it's been fun. Been doing some of my own products and stuff, and it's a it's a really nice thing to be able to do. You know, because you can work at home, you can work on projects you like, and a whole bunch of other things. We'll probably be getting into over the next few episodes. All right. We also have Evan Light. Hello. You want to introduce yourself, Evan? Actually, I thought I was going to listen to the kid cry in the background a little more first. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, let's see. So um, I've been working in Ruby, I guess about what, six years now. I've been a contractor, a freelancer for the past two. Um, like Eric, I like it because, well, I can pretty much work from anywhere, um, pretty much anytime. And, yeah, having some flexibility in the projects I work on is nice. Having a flexible schedule is nice. Like, you know, starting my day at 1 p.m. with this call. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> I guess right. that's me. Okay, we also have uh, Jeff Schoolcraft. Yep. You want to introduce yourself, Jeff? Nope. All right. So uh, I guess like everybody else, I'm a Ruby Rails guy. Um, my past is a little sorted. I spent the better part of a decade doing uh, Microsoft stuff, SQL Server, ASP, ASP.NET. I know. And finally came back to the light once I found Ruby and didn't blow it off like I did a few years earlier. So freelancing for a while, five years or so, um, four my daughter's, I started when my second daughter was born, so almost five. And it's interesting. And we'll leave it there. All right. And I'm Charles Maxwood. I run Teach Me to Code. I got started freelancing about a year and a half ago, so I'm kind of the new guy. And I fell in with this lot, and uh, they've helped me kind of figure out uh, where to go and what to do. And so, uh, anyway, the other day we were chatting, and uh, we kind of decided. To, to put this podcast together. So this week, I really kind of wanted to talk about how you guys made the transition from uh, full-time work or, you know, if you never did full-time work, you know, how you made the transition from whatever you did before into freelancing and uh, and how that worked out. And then I thought maybe we could just give some some general tips this time and then we can get into specific topics next next episode. Um, so, Evan... Um, how did you, how did you get, uh, into freelancing? Am I better than Eric now? Okay. Um, no, I, I probably got into freelancing in the, um, the most classical way that people get into contracting. I was working for a company that folded and I live kind of out in the middle of nowhere where there's no tech work to speak of. So I had to find something to do. I could have tried to find, um, some more to remote tech work, uh, working full time, but I figured, uh, Hey, what the heck? Why don't I try going freelance now? And um, once I started, then I had uh, just two years of nonstop work. So why go back? Yep, makes sense. Um, Jeff, how did you get started? I guess sort of similar to Evan, though. Well, not similar at all. I don't know why I started that way. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounded good, I guess. So I, Copy Evan, and I live. Yeah. <laughs> Evan and I live sort of in the same geographic area, but my commute is significant. Was significantly more horrible than his. I'm, well, my commute would be worse than yours now, that's for sure. Probably. I live in Ocean City, Maryland. Remember? 
So instead of getting closer to my job, I always found jobs that were further away. And at one point, I worked for a company in Cabin John, Maryland, and I was commuting round trip probably uh, an hour and a half on good days and three hours on bad days. And there were a lot more bad days than good days. Oh, wow. And so I had to find something closer. It was an opportunity that uh, popped up with local government. Uh, so I moved away from my old company, but they still wanted me to help out. And so I contracted back to them on the side. And then uh, that became more interesting than playing with the government folks that punched the time card and didn't care about what they were doing. So I transitioned, I transitioned from more full-time work to more contract work and then switched over to a, a bigger contract. So I finished all the stuff for the company I was working for, switched to a new contract I was going to it was buzzword city. I was going to help lead this team to become more agile. They wanted to do some scrum stuff. And they were convinced they were going to do it better this time. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are you a certified scrum master? After I left the job, I got certified because I thought it would help me for something else. Uh, Being certified only means you have to spend money. There's no yeah. nothing else to <laughs> yeah. it. And the, to stay the big certified. agile alliance scam, right? <laughs> it is. It, it's you, horrible. You spent money and spent a day or so. Right, and then you have to keep spending money every year. You want to keep your certification. Oh, right. It's a racket. But if you want to train, it's like ten grand a year. It's like three or four hundred to be certified scrum master. But it's like ten grand a year to do the training. These guys make crazy bank. Because they don't teach you anything in the class. I mean, if you're reasonably intelligent and have let, read anything about Scrum or Agile before, you don't learn mm -hmm. anything in the class. Regardless, that's a different topic for maybe right. another show. But anyways, so they were convinced they were going to do it better. And so uh, Congress actually shut the project down that I was working on. That's This is the... Tenth year has been in development. Over like two hundred and fifty million dollars has been spent on it, and I got into it sort of pumped up with a bunch of other people that were talking a good game, but really didn't have the power to do anything. So, so when we Congress, both escaped, we both escaped from federal government contracting. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done. I yeah, I've got a bunch of stories about all kinds of federal government stuff. But <laughs> so I left. I did. Before I got that gig, I did a bunch of defense contracting, worked for like uh, joint staff and Pentagon with some intelligence communities. It's interesting stuff. But anyways, so that project went away because Congress shut it down and uh, I was scrambled to find some work and that sort of, uh, I was a f more a contractor with one steady client and then I jumped into having to find clients to keep me busy on a regular basis. But so that's my story, a little bit long, but that's my story. All right, cool. Eric, how did you get into freelancing? Um, so it was kind of like an experiment, I guess. Um, we started, me and my wife, we lived in like Central Valley, California. And I'm going to get the dates wrong because I don't, I can't figure out dates at all. I use IRB to actually calculate how old I am. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you laugh, but it's true. I have a class method called Eric with an age method that I call. So. Um, so I think around 2007, we moved from California up here to Oregon and as kind of a, a as part of it, I sold my car just because we didn't want to deal with having two cars up here. And as kind of an experiment, I was like, well, instead of me trying to go out and find a job, I was like, let's see if I could figure out, you know, some freelancing or consulting stuff. And what I did is I took the money from selling my car, which was like 900, maybe a thousand dollars and use that to kind of bootstrap my business. And 
me and my wife agreed like, okay, I have three months to make back that money and to try to see if I can like have income for like the next six months. And so um, took a couple projects at it even for actually for my past employer at an extremely low rate, like I laugh at it now. And then got that to get on my feet a little bit. And then from there started marketing and found a couple of clients. And then I think by like the third or fourth month, I pretty much decided like, yeah, I can make this work. And ever since then, just been working at, you know, full-time freelance, you know, taking a week off here and there every month as I need it. And, you know, doing my own things on the side. So it's kind of, it was interesting. It was just like, you know, I, we just made a choice when I like, let's try this freelancing, sell my car. And now this is my full-time job and a pretty good sized business that I have. Nice. So, um, I got into freelance. It was kind of funny cause I'd been talking about starting an internet business for quite a long time. And, uh, my wife was all worried about it and wasn't sure about it. And, you know, so I was kind of trying to start something on the side and I never really got it going. And then I got laid off and this was, yep. this was a year and a half ago. Um, and it was funny because it was a month after I had gone to the, what was it? Ruby web conference. And I had yep. asked a whole bunch of people about freelancing and I didn't realize that I was going to have to apply that like a month later. But, uh, and Evan I don't was, know. I don't know when we talked about it. It sounded like you thought you might. <laughs> I really wanted to, but I didn't think I could convince my wife, but I got laid off. And so um, I got a little bit of severance and we had gotten a bonus for a bunch of work that we had done. And so I probably had about six weeks worth of money in the bank. And so I figured, okay, well, I'll make this stretch and I'll find a few contracts and then I'll, I'll just look around for a job because I knew that that's what she wanted me to do. And it turned out that I wound up finding enough clients to actually keep us afloat right. and so by the time I actually got an offer uh, for a quote-unquote real job um, I was actually doing pretty well contracting and wound up turning them down and uh, the the salary was enough to where my wife told my mom that I had turned down a, a job for that salary and my mom just about passed out but uh, it, it was just it's just kind of the way it worked and so I've been pretty steadily busy ever since it was just the first month or two where things were a little bit slim while I tried to figure out how to find clients but after that it's been great so yeah pretty much the same thing I went through yeah so um, one thing that I, I get questions about all the time is what <coughs> advice I would give to people who are just getting started uh, or who want to you know make that transition from full-time work to freelance and and I'm curious as to what you guys would uh, suggest to people it's hard. I don't usually just have one thing, you know, like you asked for. I, I've actually started, I mean, you guys know this already, but just, you know, for the people who are listening, I've actually started consulting with for with people who want to become freelancers. And um, I spent an hour and a half brain dumping uh, to the, the, the first guy I was talking to, and he walked away feeling really good about it. But I can't say there was any one thing. So one of the things that uh, when, when we were talking about uh, freelancing in that little chat, or, or you might have mentioned it later, was you mentioned uh, the book Get Clients Now? Where, yeah. Where they talk about the kind of the, the funnel? I blame Eric. I, well, wait, actually, no, I don't. I either blame Eric or Jeff for that book. I don't remember who to blame. Both of us. Probably both of Probably us. Probably both of you. It's, it's a <laughs> damn good book. Right. So so that's that's definitely a good way to go to get advice on, on building a funnel. Um, do you guys recommend that people have money in the bank before they oh, jump out? Yeah. Having yeah. not had money in the bank, I would definitely recommend that. I mean, yes. I the way things worked, I didn't have, everybody talks about, well, I have this cushion. I mean, you had six weeks, Chuck, but I mean, I've seen numbers as high as like have six months socked away so that yep. you can that's deal with I, it. That's what I like to do. And uh, 
That'd be awesome, but the other part of it is, uh, if you know you have to hustle your ass off to find work because you have to feed your kid or whatever, it's some serious motivation. So, I don't know, I would definitely recommend having a cushion, but I wouldn't let that stop you from leaving right away. Okay, I'm going to speak to the flip side of that. If you're getting into freelancing because you want to have better work than you had as a full-timer, you want a cushion. Because if you don't have that cushion, you're going to be desperate and you're going to take the first job that comes along and you're going to kick yourself for it later. Yeah, and I know this because I hear Jeff complain about clients on a regular basis. But yeah, I was going to say, like, Jeff loves people in general. Go ahead, Eric. When I got started, like I said, I was did some work for a previous client and then I picked up a couple little things. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, because it's, it's so funny to look back, but I think I was charging 25 or maybe $35 an hour. And <laughs> if you, I mean, and this was what 2007 maybe 2008 and i had like in india who charged more than that yeah and i mean for perspective i was using rails and i had rails applications and production on medium-sized sites for the company i was working for before was rails 1.0 so like i i knew what i was doing but i undersold myself didn't have confidence and you know basically like i'll just pick a random number and it ended up because I mean, I had money, I, you know, I, th- we had money in the bank in case we needed food or anything, but it was the lack of confidence and the, oh shit, I need to get work type feeling. And so I ended up taking like PHP projects for about a year. And if you guys know the market, PHP projects are usually a lower hourly rate than Rails just mm-hmm. because of demand. And so that really like set me back for a while because I was like, okay, now that I have money coming from PHP projects, I still had to kind of like still be out in the Rails community, still kind of be seen as a Rails expert. And it was a hard shift to kind of get back into where I really wanted to be. So if you're, if you get laid off and don't have the money for freelancing, like, you know, Jeff's thing of like, just mad scramble, like you have to pay bills type thing is good. But on the other hand, if you are like, you want to do freelancing because you want to work on fun projects or, you know, your, your current job is just too boring or something, get some money in the bank as a just in case, because the money's going to let you be selective. And if you don't have that money, you can't be selective about what you take on. Right. I mean, my first couple months as a freelancer were not as a freelancer. It was as a freelancer trying to find work. And and I had two months since that time, I guess it's been about two and a half years, um, where I was just trying to find work also, where I just had a little bit of downtime. And the savings allowed me to not freak out, it allowed me to take a little bit of downtime to just relax allowed me to be picky about my work. I actually passed on a piece of work or two because they weren't good fits. And um, while um, while it's a little bit frustrating to burn savings, it's better than working on a project that I know I'm going to hate. Right. So, so kind of what I'm hearing is uh, both sides where if you really want... Um you know, if, if you don't have the money, then, you know, you're, you're hungry and you're going to go find the work and you're going to, you're going to make it happen. But the flip side is, is if you have the money in the bank, then you can pass on the projects that don't make sense for you. On the other hand, if you're one of those people who's just in it for the money and doesn't actually like what he does, then just do what Jeff did. <laughs> <laughs> it's always an option. But, but I, I, I hope people listening to this podcast are actually in it because they like what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that I think um, is, is really kind of the, the draw for freelancing is that, 
you know, you get to pick your projects at least to a certain degree. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, whatever comes your way, you can sift through it and find the ones that you will like more. And, you know, you, you definitely get a different level of freedom. Um, one other thing that I think um, I, I like to tell people is just, you know, look, it's if, if you're looking for a 40 hour a week job, this probably isn't it. Um, right. You know, I mean. I, I wind up billing somewhere between 20 and 30 hours a week. And uh, to be honest, I wind up working probably, um, you know, 50 hours a week or something because, you know, I'm constantly working on on other things, other projects that I have going on, other products that I want to put out, um, doing these podcasts, um, you know, chasing down leads and stuff like that. And um, so that's another piece of advice I give to people is like, look, you know, you better like the programming and you better be willing to do the business stuff because if you're not, then it's just not going to work. And, and you have to be aware of the time commitment that's there. You know, I, I guess I have a hard time seeing it as more than 40 hours a week. And you, but you might be right. It's just the paperwork sucks. I think everyone here will agree the paperwork sucks. Yes. Hire uh, hire a bookkeeper. Yeah. I, hire I really, a bookkeeper and a good CPA. Yeah, getting an accountant. I wish I'd gotten an accountant from the get-go. Um, but um, there's, a, for example, I spend a lot of time researching. I spend a lot of time reading blogs and seeing what other people are doing. Um, for, pe- for people who are newer at programming, that's not necessarily a useful thing to do. They should just be hacking. But I don't usually count that as time working. But really, I guess it is time working. It's, it's mm-hmm. relevant to what I do. I just enjoy reading this stuff, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that time counts. But I, I'm the same as you. I usually bill 20 to 30. And if I'm billing more than 30, my brain's not usually working very well. Right. Absolutely. Um, how many hours do uh, do you guys bill, Jeff, Eric? I'm probably in the same range as, as both of you, somewhere between 20 and 30. And how, how much other time do you spend per week, do you think? Too much. I'm probably... Yeah, yeah I think... I mean, if I... If I counted all the time, if, if I count working time as on the computer and not with my family or on the PS3 or whatever, then uh, I probably spend 60 to, I don't know, 60 to 80 hours. Good just Lord, what are you doing? All he, kinds he included of PS3 in that, so. <laughs> no, no, wait, no, you No, you that's, didn't, no, that's you didn't aside from family and PS3. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm on my computer doing something, whether it's tending to clients or dealing with clients or playing with uh, products that I'm, uh, I want to pimp or whatever it is I want to do. But I mean, I, I consider anytime I'm sitting at my desk, work time, and I sit here a lot. And I mean, it's the whole work expense to fit the time you're here. So I don't have maybe the pressure that I need to feel to compact my compact my work. But I spend way too much time. I, I really would love to hear an accounting of, of how you're spending that time because maybe I, I, I might be the, the weird one here, but I don't spend that much time at my desk. No, it's I'm different too. Like, what is it? On a busy week, I do, I have a goal of 4.5 hours of work a day. And by work, I mean like billable work for a client or right. if I'm working on a project. And then probably anywhere between like one and three of like, you know, administration work, like email, chatting on Twitter, you know, shuffling paperwork. And luckily, like lately I've been pretty lucky. I have kind of a new system I'm doing, but I'm pretty much right around 40 hours a week, probably a little less at the moment because I'm just, I want to take a little bit of time to relax. But I've also noticed that, you know, okay, so I might clock out at five o'clock. I don't actually stop working. I'm still thinking about like, okay, what am I doing tomorrow? What right. what do I need to do for, for my next book? And, you know, I think about that stuff the rest of the day. And then 
probably an hour or two at night, you know, reading. And like last night I was reading about Rails deployment stuff. And night before that I was watching a video about like psychology and business stuff. So, you know, if you put everything of like, this is work, you know, yeah, I could probably say I do 60 to 80 hours a week. But as far as like button chair doing work, it's probably 30 to 40. And I mean, and a lot of that is like me, if I got really tight on my time, I could probably cut a lot of that time out and really just have the, the billable work and probably an hour or two a day of like managing the business. Maybe right. this is me being defensive of feeling like a slacker, but one thing you said here that resonates with me is that the the time spent not working is time spent with ideas simmering on the back burner. And I have a lot of that time where I might not be working, but I'm idly thinking about what do I, what, how am I going to solve this problem or that problem or what am I doing next? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that's something that we all face. I mean, you know, I'll be in the shower brushing my teeth or driving my kid to school and, you know, I'll be thinking about, you know, different project ideas or different uh, business ideas and, and, you know, just things like that. And so, yeah. Wait, you brush your teeth while you're in the shower? That's, that could save me some time. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking, yeah, don't spit on your feet. I don't know. Just don't put shampoo on your toothbrush. Oh, there you go. <laughs> But anyway, um, oh, how about that? So uh, Jeff just sent out a breakdown of his time. Yeah, this is for really. This is for one week, Jeff. The past week? No, this week. Yeah, this is for this week. That's what Rescue Time thinks, anyways. So Rescue Time thinks that you this whole this whole week you spent ten hours forty five minutes coding. Wow, I've I've done more than that. Yeah, but seven and a half in communication. Yeah, well, communication counts too. That's I mean, mine. <laughs> That's a bunch of daily emails with a client. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of time emailing. I usually, uh, I like to do Skype and just have faster communication. But yeah. emailing sometimes too. Yeah. So so that's another thing that I, I think I get a lot of questions about when people are asking about freelancing is how to find clients. And, uh, you know, we mentioned get clients now, but I mean, if you're out there, you don't have a job, you don't have any clients that you're working for because you're just starting out. I mean, it, it is kind of scary to look at that and say, okay, I have yeah. I have no prospect of making any money here. And so I've got to go find something somewhere. Um, what what places do you guys usually uh, go to if, if you're in that kind of a situation? And I know you haven't been there for a while, but what, you guys? what, what, what would you do? <laughs> First, no, first thing I first thing I do is I ping you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're just starting out, I don't know who said it. It certainly wasn't me, but um, there was somebody that that said if you take everybody you know, all your friends and family, and maybe even extended uh, your extended relationships to some point, and tell every one of those people, call them up and tell every one of those people what you do or what kind of problems you can help them solve that you should be able in your own network you should be able to find some work it's just and i forget who said it michael port or one of the <laughs> business gurus but yeah i tend to buy that right one one other thing that i did is uh like the community out here i i went to the users group and was talking to them and you know so i got a couple of leads that i followed up and wound up getting a, a, a contract off of that so yeah that's huge even if you don't have whatever it is you're doing i mean this is ruby but i mean if there's not a user group for whatever you're interested in in your area starting that user group already makes you seem more important than everybody else to yeah. somebody that might want to hire you or give you work and then the side benefit is you might be able to get a couple people to come, but then the more the more you do this, uh, speakers. I mean, 
you talk to the speakers, you talk to sponsors, whoever else, and then you're seen as the point of contact. Same with local conferences. I mean, Evan's done well. Yeah, I camp a couple of times. But. I was gonna, I was gonna jump in, and I wanted to you know, wait till you're done there, but. So, you know, I'm going to pull a Kanye West now, but, um, damn, no one laughed at that. Um, but no, it, the, the, the perception of importance, it, it sounds cynical, but, and maybe it is cynical, but, uh, and Jeff and I think that way, but let's talk about that for a second. Um, because I didn't, I don't feel like my approach necessarily works for everyone, but what I did was I started this unconference Ruby D camp that I've been running for going on five years now not just a couple. And I didn't start it because I wanted to advertise. I started it because I don't like most Ruby conferences. And I felt very strongly about that. Um, and that's me, is that when I feel very strongly about something, I, I do something about it, just out of habit. Um, but once I went, once I decided to go into freelancing, where do you think I got my first piece of work? It was from people who were at Ruby D Camp who knew me. So there's maybe some perception of importance there. But to, to stretch that though, and Jeff was sort of saying that, saying this already, you know, speaking at, at user groups, speaking at conferences especially, especially the, the regional conferences which get uh, 200, 300 people, people will tend to believe that because you're on that podium that you are an expert, whether you are or not. Now, I'm not saying I, I go up there as a complete idiot and talk about things, so occasionally I might feel like one, but uh, I've known people who've given presentations on topics as though, as though they're an expert on it, and they've had one week of background in it, and people have responded well to the presentation. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that you're standing at the front of the room and they're not makes you look important to them, which means that they'll be more receptive to working with you. Right. It's also it's also a networking multiplier. I mean, instead of totally one on one at a user group or one on one at a chamber of commerce thing, it's one to a hundred or one to fifty or however many people are in the audience. Whether or not your problem resonates with them at the moment, or your talk resonates with some problem they have at the moment, you've got the confidence to stand up in front of them and speak. And days later, when they or days or weeks later, when they're thinking about a problem they need to solve, there was a Ruby thing. Then they'll remember Evan was giving a talk about this, and I sort of know how to get in touch with him. So let me call him first. Right, that makes sense. So um, I, I kind of want to uh, turn the the conversation back to any other advice that you could offer to a new freelancer. Um, can I say something about that last one real quick? Yeah. So I, this happens a lot. I see it a lot with technical people mostly. But um, if you're going to a Ruby conference and giving a talk on Ruby, that's, that's great. It helps your image. But unless the people who are going to that conference are your customers, that doesn't help you as much as you think. Right. Now, if you're trying to do subcontracting, like um, I know a couple of people who will hire other Ruby developers to help work on a larger project, that is that works. Your your client in that point is other Ruby developers who are freelancing that need subcontractors. But if you're trying to chase after actual businesses who need Ruby help, a Ruby conference probably won't help you. Now, if not, you go to like just one, yeah, I agree. Yeah, if you go to like at night or um, you know, if there's like a local business conference, like there was one here when I first got started, stuff like that, then you're talking to businesses, then you're talking to your actual customers, and at that point, you don't need to. You, I mean, you don't need to go in there and say, I know Active Record like the back of my hand. I mean, they don't know what Active Record is, but you can say, like, I provide this kind of value to your business. That will that'll be good for them. They'll see you as a technical person, and you can get a project that way. 
And that's where actually the majority of my stuff I get from is like someone saw me like, hey, I see you're really good at doing X. I need X done. I don't know how to do it. Can I hire you for it? So that's that's just a big thing is like, don't think you need to do all these things or don't like start blogging about the internals of Rails 3 if you're not going for those kind of customers. If you want to raise your profile, that might work, but they're not directly related. Right. And so we can, let's... Hopefully, Chuck, you don't mind, but no, let's, elaborate, let's elaborate just a little bit. Because uh, I thought about this too, Eric. I totally agree. Uh, what you're talking about is kind of like second-degree contacts versus you know, first-degree. The first-degree mm-hmm. ones are the ones who are going to pay you, probably. The second-degree ones might pay you, but what I what I found, and Jeff said it, is it's a networking effect, that if you are connected enough that those people will connect you to the people who have, who have the work to give away. Right. Um, but so, but what that implies in my case is I had to make a larger investment up front um, in terms of time and effort to make those connections. It just so happens that I really enjoy talking to guys like you because I'm stuck out here in the boonies with no one like you. <laughs> so I take every opportunity I can. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think Eric has a good point. I mean. There is the possibility of work coming in, especially from people where um, basically, you know, their cousin is, you know, you're you're a programmer. Can you help me with this? And it's like, well, I don't have time. You need to hire a freelancer. Ask that guy. But it's not a direct contact. It's not, you know, you're not out in front of your target market. And so, yeah, I mean, you have to find other ways of reaching those people. And, uh, you know, maybe next week we can talk about how we fill our funnels Um you know, sounds like, sounds like elaborating upon get clients now. That's what I was about to talk about again. Yeah, and and that's definitely a good source of information on building that that uh, lead funnel. And uh, I think I need to formalize mine a little bit more. But anyway, it it's it's you know it it is interesting you know figuring out where that sweet spot is and and where your customers are and then getting in front of them. But it's also figuring out. It, without going too much to get clients now, what particular styles of marketing suit you? Yeah. Because there's there's what's effective, and Eric, I completely agree with what Eric's saying, that getting in front of the people who can pay you is the most effective, but it's also what what are you most comfortable with, what's most repeatable for you? And yeah. for me, it's, you know, talking to other techies is totally where it's at, and that's, it's it's less effective in the short term, but it works pretty well in the long term. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, I don't know if you guys have been listening to Ruby Rogues, but uh, at the end of each podcast, we've been doing picks, um, and the way the way that we've been doing that is um, the the panelists just you know mention uh, one or two things that they've been using, or you know, I mean, people have picked TV shows, and um, they've also picked you know coding tools or whatever. So. Um, you just pick a couple of things that you like that uh, that people um, can use, and uh, you know we just put it out there as kind of a you know G whiz kind of thing. So um, I'm gonna kind of wrap this one up, and uh, we'll go ahead and do some picks, and then um, next week we will um, we'll we'll talk about uh, filling the pipeline, and you know if if you want to, you can read or reread. Uh, get clients now because I think a lot of the material probably come from from that and from you know just our own experience so um, I'll go ahead and do my picks first just so that you can get an idea of how this works um, so one 
one tool that I use in my business um, for my subcontractors and uh, for myself to track time is uh, Harvest or HarvestApp.com. And uh, I, I really like it for tracking time with, with my subcontractors because then I can see how many hours they've worked, how many hours I've worked, and um, I, can, I can then tie it all together and send out uh, invoices. Does FreshBooks do that, Evan? Uh, FreshBooks does everything Harvest does and does it better. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I've been using. And uh, it, it works well for me. It has a little button that you can click to start your time and then you click it again to stop your time. And um, anyway, so uh, that, that's what I've been using. One other uh, or a couple of tools that I've also been using uh, to do my development, I, I got into Vim. I was a systems administrator for a long time. And uh, so I used Vim off and on to do my development. And um, I used TextMate for a while to do development, and then I kind of went back to Vim. And uh, so I've been using MacVim, um, which is just kind of a desktop version of Vim. And uh, I've been using the Janus setup that uh, uh, Carl and Yehuda have put together. Um, and it, it works really well. It has all the syntax highlighting. It has all the bells and whistles that you want um, in your Vim setup. And, uh, you know, just it, it's just a really nice way to go. So um, if you're looking for a way to set things up um, and you like Vim and you like the key bindings, then go ahead and give that a try. Um, Evan, do you have some picks for us? Entirely too many. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll go with three. Uh, first, I have to entirely disagree with you about Harvest because I've used Harvest before. Um, Harvest... Well, I won't pretend that there's any perfect app, but Harvest was missing missing a lot of things that I liked. Um, FreshBooks, which I, I mentioned briefly in contrast, um, first, it's free for the first three clients that you have, so um, it gives you a great opportunity to get used to it. Second, it makes working with subcontractors an absolute dream as long as they also use FreshBooks. Um, I can't go into the number of ways that FreshBooks has, has made my life easier, but let me put it this way, that they are the first... Um, web service where when I finally got to the point where I had to pay the money, I felt good about paying the money. Hmm. Okay. So so huge thumbs up, two thumbs up for FreshBooks. That that's one. Two, I'm going to add to people's reading lists um, some more. For me, the the book that made it possible for me to even be consider being a freelancer to, to because I I am naturally a bit of a scatterbrain. So to get Organized. What I did is I read uh, David Allen's uh, "Get Clients Now." I mean, not, not "Get Clients Now." Getting, getting things done. done. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the "Get" confused me. Uh, I've been saying "Get Clients Now" too much lately. Um, getting things done was truly life-altering for me. Um, if you buy the book and you just just read enough to get to the first exercise and complete the first exercise, you'll probably be sold to. Um, it reduced my stress level massively and, and has continued to, even when I don't practice my GTD as, as well as, as I should. Um, and the third and final book, uh, which was actually recommended to me by a good friend, uh, Jim Meyer, not a uh, freelancer, but uh, still. And um, it's it, most of you, or many of you probably heard of it, it's uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And while that's an old school corporate book, so a lot of people might poo-poo it, it's very good for remind, for really figuring out, for really distilling what's important to you and making sure that your life is headed in that direction. Uh, because freelancing is a big decision. It will, it, 
well, it will take over a lot of your life. So you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah, I've read that book. I really like it. I've actually met Stephen Covey too. Oh. Uh, yeah, his uh, his granddaughter was married to a guy that I worked with out here, and uh, and so we had kind of a combined party <coughs> with this guy's department, my department, and the most convenient place to have it was at Stephen Covey's pool house. So we were up there playing in his pool and in his backyard, and he came out and met everybody. So it's kind of cool. Tempted to quote Spaceballs with the scene with uh, Dark Helmet and Lone Star. <laughs> what, what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. Anyway, um, yeah. the other th- – and what was it? Damn it, I was going to say one other thing about Seven Habits. Ah, whatever. Oh, yeah, right. If you have already read it, it, if you read it years ago, it is totally worth rereading again. You will see it all differently. I, I've read it at least twice now. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some, some good um, – things in there both about time management and uh set and priorities so yeah to me it's all about it's really about the principles gtd is how do you get it done and seven habits is why are you doing it and are you doing the right thing okay that makes sense all right jeff do you have some picks for us yeah probably um i guess the the one for me and it's sort of old news but I mean, it's something I hit every day, a couple times a day, is Pinboard. It's a replacement for Delicious, since Delicious was sold by Yahoo and completely bastardized by whoever bought it. (laughs) That's better. That's the Jeff I know and love. (laughs) I'm telling you, if they could listen to this podcast, I'd tell them they're complete assholes for screwing that up, man. Because I... I love Delicious. Love it. I mean, I've been using it for, I don't know, since it existed, I think. Thousands of bookmarks and completely awesome to do research on. But Pinword is trying to do sort of the same thing. And they've implemented most of the Delicious API or they claim they have. But so Pinboard's is my sort of go to now, but it's not, it doesn't fill my Delicious need. But so that's my first pick. Mm-hmm. If the pinboard people ever listen, if they would make t- multiple tag URLs work, then I would love them even more. Okay, this is precious on their homepage. You have <laughs> quotes, and then the best part, from, the best quote is from The Economist, allegedly. I, 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 this, I wonder if this is real. It says, one dude in his underpants somewhere who has five windows open to terminal servers. <laughs> what the what hell? Is that? What is that? Delicious? No, this is a quote on the pinboard page, on oh. the front page of pinboard. I have to log out to see it, I guess. <laughs> nice. His underpants. He kind of had me at one dude in his underpants. <laughs> wait, no, oh, wait, so he must be a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And there, there, yeah, and you have to sign up, like the price goes up every sign up or something. I forget what the formula is, but... So I paid back when I was like $4 or something. It's $9 now, but that was years ago. So, I mean, it's very incremental that it goes up. But like uh, Delicious, you could go Delicious, Com, Tag, Freelance, Plus, Ruby, and you'd find all the links that somebody had tagged both Ruby and Freelance. But in Pinboard, you can't do that. So and do you have a public Pinboard then? Like um, Delicious, can, you, can other people see yours? You can subscribe to it. I don't know if it's by default pub- as public as 
See, the social bookmarking for introverts, I'm not sure if it's as completely public as uh, Delicious was. And whoever has Skype noises, they suck. <laughs> it's, not, okay, it's not me. So, I'll turn them off. So. No, Skype would, I, Skype I would be my anti-pick of the week. I <laughs> yeah, I hate Skype too, man. Well, I, I, I hate Skype, but I wanted to love Google Plus Hangouts, but Google Plus Hangouts is buggy because it's flash yeah i was gonna say as much as i hate skype i haven't found anything that was really better so no it's it's like mutt the email client from a long time ago we just suck less all email clients suck we suck less yeah so oh um, <laughs> all, all of these things suck and skype just sucks the least of all i guess right now but anyways so that was a big one and then uh, that's probably my only businessy one I do a cash board for time tracking. I'm sure Eric uses something different, so there will be four opinions on how to track your time. But I've been trying to – I used to be on a binge with uh, reading a bunch of business books, but I've since stopped. Uh, the last few – I went through all the James Bond novels, all the original Ian Fleming ones, and then did uh, – oh, Winter is Coming. Who is that guy? Oh come on, George George R. R. Martin. Right. Yeah. So I read I read all five books he had out, and that yeah. the fifth book took forever. Or the fourth one of them, but that was a really good series. And then my wife recommended that I read read the Hunger Games, and so I read through all three of those that trilogy. Sort of tied up weird at the end, but I mean. I, <laughs> I've read them. I know what you're talking about. It's it's important yeah. to take a break from reading technical stuff and occasionally just read for fun. It is. Hunger Games, uh, Mental Bubblegum might be a little too insulting, but I mean, it's a fun read, but I don't know. So the, those are uh, those series of books are all good books if someone's looking into the exact same things I am and want to read my books. So. All right, cool. All right, Eric, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so kind of like what Jeff said about reading the different books, I try to make sure I have like three at a time at least. Um, usually a business book, um, usually a technical book, and then some kind of fiction or biography or something. So it's like a fun one because the business ones, I tend to, I'm, I read everything on my Kindle and I tend to go through it on my Kindle and like highlight every single page. Um, same for the technical ones. And then the fiction, I just like burn through the books like in a couple days. Um, but I mean, we've already mentioned it, but get clients now like is my main thing. It's, I, it's actually sitting on my desk. I had it out yesterday. I was reading through it. Um, trying to it's all about services and i'm trying to figure out a way to adapt it to product stuff for product marketing huh. um awesome book it's great for developers because it's a very good system it's like you know here's menus of things pick out what you want and yeah, then it's, here's it's a 20 a book yeah and here's a 28 day cycle that you go through i mean if you know agile stuff it's like an iteration and i mean it's it's awesome this is probably my fourth or fifth copy i've gotten one my first one from the library i've given some out i've bought some for people who are getting started like if you could only read one thing this is probably the book to read um and then let's see um another if you want to read another book michael port's um book solid or book yourself solid is a good one it's it's pure marketing but it's about service businesses again and it's mm -hmm. a very i don't know it's, i guess it's a very non-salesy way 
Um, developers will get a lot out of it. It has kind of a system to it also, but it's not as rigorous. But that's his book's a good one for getting kind of the more like meta level of your business. Like, what are you actually doing in your business? What's the quote mission statement? All that stuff. Um, sort of, sort of sustainability too. I mean, he talks about the red velvet rope policy mm-hmm. or whatever, and that. Yeah. So, I mean, that'd be my order too. Get clients now, then. Uh, Michael Port's book, and I forgot the name of it, and then Duct Tape Marketing would be uh, my be, three. I'll be honest. I, I started reading Book Solid because uh, Eric recommended it, and I got maybe 50 pages into it, and maybe I got the, the most important message, which was the Red Velvet Rope Policy, which actually led me to, to unload one client, so to that extent, and, and made me a lot happier, so to that extent, win. Um, maybe there is more to it, Eric, but... <laughs> That that was a big deal for me, at least. Yeah, the, I mean that that policy is a great thing. And to summarize, it's basically you know figure out what are your good clients and or the clients you want to work with. And I actually during one time when I was having a kind of a rough patch with one of my clients, I guess ex clients now, I made a list of all the things they were doing wrong, and that became my policy. And whenever my clients would do things on that wrong list, I would kind of you know give them a strike and three strikes they're out and I would move move a client off to another person or just say sorry I'm not going to renew your contract or we need to stop working together yep. and I mean it, it seems weird throwing like or turning down people who want to pay you but I found the stress of dealing with that and having to kind of like do something you're not enjoying is really not worth it that could almost be a whole other episode is talking about turning down clients yeah yeah absolutely and so those are my two picks, um, Get Clients Now and Book Yourself Solid. Um, and then a third one, this is actually Jeff's thing. I know it because I just got it, but he does a weekly uh, freelancing newsletter. It's a whole bunch of links of like stuff for freelancers. Um, he does this, and then Peter Cooper does one for Ruby called Ruby Weekly, which some of the listeners probably heard of that one. Oh, yeah. But I love these things because now I don't have to subscribe to 100 blogs. And it's kind of the whole curation, of, and it saves me a ton of time. So Jeff has one. It's still pretty new from what I understand, but get that. I mean, I probably bookmark like three or four different uh, links in it each week it comes out. Wait, where is this? Because I'm not on Jeff's. It's uh, Freelancers Weekly or? Freelancingweekly.com. Yeah, I just got one today or yesterday. And that's where I spend a good chunk of time too. Curating is a pain in the ass. Yeah. How did I not get on this sooner? We appreciate it. Yep. <coughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, hopefully, we'll have this into iTunes soon so that people can uh, subscribe and, and you know, get get the content. Um, like I said, next week, I think we're going to talk about uh, finding clients, um, generating leads, uh, filling your pipeline, that kind of stuff. So. Um, if you, if you're getting this through iTunes, then by all means go into iTunes and leave us a review. Um, the, the show will be up at, uh, Ruby freelancers with an S freelancers.com. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully this is uh, helpful not only to people doing Ruby for freelance, but you know, other service-based businesses for freelance. And that's kind of what we're shooting for. But, uh, you know, Ruby's kind of our niche. And so I thought it was appropriate to name it that way. So anyway, um, That's it, and we'll catch you next week.